Welcome to the Travel Possibilities Podcast. I'm your host, Callie O'Connor. I've gone from career burnout to taking multiple career breaks, scoring several remote jobs, and even starting my own business while traveling to over 80 countries. The one thing that held me back from starting sooner was that I didn't believe it was possible for me. I wasn't aware that travel could become part of my lifestyle. Through this podcast, I'm so excited to share with you the travel possibilities that are out there for you. In season three, we're talking all about travel jobs. Let's get started. My guest today is Cher, and she is a travel nurse anesthetist or nurse anesthesiologist, and as you'll hear us say later in the episode, CRNA, which just rolls off the tongue a lot more easily. And this is a fantastic episode. What I personally love is how Cher has designed her life to truly balance a career and travel. So for her, there's a huge shortage of anesthesia providers across the United States. So she fills in in hospitals that are short-staffed and need help. So she does short-term contracts, usually around three months of work. Lodging is covered. And then she is free to do what she wants with her spare time. And that's when she travels for fun. And so over the past few years, she's truly rearranged her life so that she can travel almost six months each year. So what a cool opportunity. And I also love that we really just discuss, she gives a very clear cut (laughs) description of nursing and the pathways you can take because there is a lot to it. And if you are not in the field, I know it can be confusing. I'm in that boat. So we talk about it clear it up. And there's so many cool possibilities out there in the nursing field. So without further ado, here's the episode. Hello, and welcome back to the Travel Possibilities podcast. I have another awesome interview episode for you today with my guest, Cher. So Cher, thank you so much for being here. Why don't you introduce yourself? Hey, it's a pleasure to be here. Um, I'm Cher, and uh, I am a travel nurse anesthetist, which I'm sure is a mouthful. Uh, I'm going to explain what that is in a second, but basically I've been a nurse in general for about 20 years and a nurse anesthetist for 12 of those years. And I've been traveling uh, my whole life, but traveling as a nurse anesthetist for about five years. Okay. And so not that I practiced saying anesthetist before we came on the call or anything like that, but (laughs) that's awesome. Nobody can say it. It is a mouthful. And then if you throw travel nurse in front of that, my goodness, but we will do our best. (laughs) So very briefly, before we dive in, can you just talk about nursing as a field in general? So I know there's a lot of different levels of education you can pursue. So if someone is in high school and they're like, I want to be a nurse, what is the normal path? And you can work your story into how the path unfolds as well. Okay. Yeah, it is very confusing for the general population because there are so many types of nurses. There's LPN, there's RN, and then there's the advanced practice nurses. An LPN is kind of a a degree that is meant to get nurses out as quick as possible. It's right after high school. I, I think it takes a year. And those are nurses you may see in like a nursing home or something like this. Now, to be a registered nurse or an RN, you can go one of two ways. You can get a two-year associate's degree or a four-year's bachelor's degree, but you sit for the same board exam, and hence a lot of the confusion. Now, to move on in nursing, 
uh, beyond being an RN. To get any kind of master's degree or advanced practice degree, you must hold an RN with a bachelor's degree. And this is generally you know, a typical four-year bachelor's of science degree in nursing. And then you can move on in various fields. Now, within the advanced practice nurse field, there's nurse practitioner, there's nurse midwife. There's so many. There's a doctor of nurse written psychology, which you're basically like a psychiatric nurse practitioner. You can go into nursing informatics, which is like technology. You can go into healthcare administration or do what I do, which is being a nurse anesthetist, aka nurse anesthesiologist. I'll speak on this really quickly. Our national organization recently approved this name change from nurse anesthetist to nurse anesthesiologist, just because A, it's easier to say, and then everybody knows what it is. <laughs> Nobody knows what an anesthetist is. People think I'm an esthetician. People think I'm you know, doing facials, which is a great job. Don't get me wrong. However, that's not what I do. <laughs> okay. That was super that was helpful. A lot. <laughs> yeah. Thank you for that. That's really helpful. And so you are a travel nurse anesthetist. Correct. What makes someone a travel nurse? And at what point in that nursing progression could you be a travel nurse? Okay, so once you are a regular nurse, um, meaning an RN working, let's say, in the ICU or in the ER or in the operating room, uh, I mentioned those three fields specifically because they're sort of like the hot jobs that are really needed all across the country and, and the world as well. Uh, so a lot of these type of nurses can easily find travel nursing jobs. Now, to be a travel nurse, you need to have some experience in your specialty field, whether it be critical care, operating room, what have you. You sign up with an agency that will help you find a job. Now, the agency usually will offer you sort of a W-2 situation where you can get health insurance and all the regular benefits you would get with a regular job, provided that you give them a, you know, enough months out of the year. So they will help you get licensed in the state you need a license for, and they will find you a job, let's say, you tell them, I want to live in California. I want to live in Arizona. They'll look for jobs for you there in your specialty and help you get there. Now, to be a travel nurse anesthetist, which is what I do, is a lot different. First of all, to become a nurse anesthetist after being a nurse. So let's say you are a regular nurse and someday you want to be a nurse anesthetist. You have to first work specifically in critical care. So you need to be in a high acuity ICU for at least two years. Most schools... They may look at you after a year, but they want at least two years of experience. Then you apply to a nurse anesthetist program. When I went to school, it was a master's degree and it was two and a half years. Now they are all doctorate programs and they are three years. So once you have your critical care experience, you can go to one of these programs, take your three years. It sucks. It's like a residency. You were in the hospital all the time working without pay. Then you're a nurse anesthetist. So once you have experience as a nurse anesthetist, then you can decide to be a travel nurse anesthetist. That is what I do now. I've been doing it about five years and it's kind of hard to sum up quickly, but essentially I fill in staffing gaps in various hospitals where they don't have enough anesthesia staff. And I may come for about three months, work there, and then I'm free. And then I go somewhere else for three months. Now, what I do is take a lot of time in between for my fun travel. <laughs> <laughs> That's so awesome. And I'm really excited to get into that part. So first, if you're working three-month contracts, what, where have you traveled in the U.S. as a travel nurse anesthetist? 
So uh, I originally got my degree in Florida. So I worked as a regular nurse anesthetist in Florida before I became a travel nurse anesthetist. Let's just use the term CRNA. It's so much yes, easier. Let's do it. Yes. <laughs> I'm so glad you said that. <laughs> I'm sick of saying anesthetist. <laughs> okay. So I have worked as a travel CRNA in New York, Florida. I went back since I left uh, Virginia, which is now my home state, West Virginia, I'm also licensed in Texas and Colorado, almost took jobs there. They fell through for various reasons. It's all part of the fun, but those are the states I'm licensed in and could potentially work in. Uh, the last couple of years, I have mostly stayed in Virginia because that's where my family is. And I have developed some good relationships with a few hospitals here and it's just easier. And I have been lazy lately. <laughs> Fair enough. And so do you have like a home base that you come back to now in Virginia so between contracts and between travels? Yes. So my home base is my parents' house. Okay. They are very conveniently located near a major airport and they let me keep some stuff there. Uh, my dog lives here now and <laughs> being a traveler and having a dog does not go hand in hand. So uh, I do take the dog with me on some travel contacts. Uh, he lives with me in my Airbnb or in my hotel but my parents have become quite attached to him. So they get a little upset when I have him for too long. So now we have a shared custody situation. <laughs> <laughs> I love that so much. But yeah. It's, it's, uh, I think part of the reason I stay in Virginia is being close to where all my things are is pretty handy, but I do like to have my own space. So I'm usually dipping in and out a couple of days here and there, a week here and there to exchange my stuff, unpack, repack, say hello and then I go about my business, whether it's to my travel assignment or to my traveling abroad for fun. Love it. So let's get into your traveling abroad for fun a little bit more. Okay. And I'll let you tell it, but I love your story. It's unique. You travel so much and you have a career. Can you tell us how you got to this point? Yeah. So it's been a while. Uh, I've always liked traveling. Um, I never was able to travel as much as I wanted to because all the education I was doing, because I took the long path to becoming a nurse anesthetist. The path I told you about earlier is not the path I took. I'm not going to go through all that, but let's just say I took the long way. I was in school a lot, uh, all through my twenties, did not have time to travel, did not have money to travel. And it wasn't until I was in my mid thirties that one day I woke up and thought something needs to change. I want to travel more. I basically Marie Kondo'd my life. Okay. I <laughs> sold my condo in Miami. I leased a car. Uh, I did everything I could to have the least amount of adult responsibilities. Uh, I got divorced. Um, <laughs> I was just uh, pretty free. You know, not having a house, a husband, children leaves you pretty free in life to do whatever the hell you want. So uh, I quit my job in Miami and decided I was going to become a travel CRNA. But first, I just took a year off of my life. I bought a one-way ticket to Bali, and I went to Southeast Asia for three months. I went to Europe for three months. I went to South America for a month. And then I thought, I'm out of money. I should probably work and started my travel nursing career. That's so awesome. So I guess that's not really what I do now. Obviously, I can't take an entire year off whenever I feel like it. But I do take a lot of time off. I have arranged my life now that I'm basically working six months and traveling six months. Not all at once. Right. 
So would you say you do like three month contracts, three months to travel, three month contract, or how do you try, try to structure it anyway? Yeah. So when I started out, that is what I did. I took a three month contract because that's usually the minimum they will let you do. No one wants to credential you. Credentialing is a whole thing. I won't bore you with, but uh, as a travel nurse, you don't need to do this, but as a travel nurse anesthetist, credentialing is like a kind of a big deal. It can take anywhere from one month to six months. Like the paperwork is insane. And uh, you just don't want to be doing that if you're only working somewhere a week. Right. Mm -hmm. So usually they want you for about three months and then you're free. You usually have an offer to extend if you feel like it. And I often have, it just depends on what's going on in my life. A lot of these hospitals, then I will come back to, I'm saying, Hey, I did my three months. I'm going to go have fun. I'll be back later in the year. See ya. <laughs> but yeah, so I used to do three months on three months off, three months on three months off. So now it's not quite so structured. I'm a little more go with the flow, see what's happening. Last year, 2022, things got a little wild. Uh, I ended up just taking six full months off in a row to travel. And I'm just going to blame that on COVID and two years of pent up travel frustration. But that is not a normal routine for me whatsoever. This year, I'm going to have to buckle down and work a little more. <laughs> That's so amazing. And so can you tell us a bit more about your trips and where you've gone? Because it's not typical in the United States to get that chunk of time off to be able to travel. So can you talk more about your travel style and the places you've gone? Yeah. I mean, it's my favorite subject. Uh, you'll have me here all day. <laughs> Yay. <laughs> so, have been very lucky in life. Uh, in the last few years, I've busted out a lot of travel. I'm, I hit country 101 last year. I went to four continents last year. I was in South America, Africa, Asia, and Europe. Uh, since now that I have more time than I used to, I don't do the typical American running around, you know, five countries in one week situation, I tend to spend a lot more time really exploring a region. And now I have the luxury to do that. And it's really nice. So last year, for example, I spent a month in Italy. I spent two weeks in Sicily and two weeks in Puglia, which is a region not as well-traveled as the rest of Italy, I'd say. And it's kind of the heel of the boot. It was just so nice to just have two weeks to be in that really small, specific area and really get to know it. And uh, another goal of mine is to visit every wine region in the world. I, as you know, from following me, I like my wine <laughs> and I got to spend three weeks in France this year and specifically traveling to different wine regions. So that was a lifetime goal that finally got to do. And I'm not done because France has a lot of wine and <laughs> I'm not even halfway done seeing it all. So <laughs> that's part of what I did last year. And, uh, as well as wine, I love wildlife. So I got to do quite a bit of wildlife travel. I went to the Galapagos, I uh, went to Kenya, and I scuba dived. So I did a scuba diving tri trip. Sorry, I can't talk. Scuba diving trip to Indonesia. Yeah, it was a great year. 2022 was really, really epic for me. Oh, my goodness. Oh, you went to Raja Amput, right? Yes, that's yeah. right. Raja Can Amput, you... diving paradise. Can you talk more about it? Because like, I also just had, uh, her name's Emily was on the podcast and she lives in Indonesia and she just went there as well. So I think it's so funny That's because cool. I feel like it's a destination that people are not very familiar with. I personally love Indonesia and I really want to go there. So can you talk more about your diving experience and what it's like there? Boris, yeah, Indonesia is fabulous. It's just for, for culture, for wildlife, really, really just a great country. I mean, you could spend months there easily. Um, 
So Raja Ampat is uh, a region of Indonesia that is very remote. It's very far east, almost to Papua New Guinea. It's in the part of Indonesia called West Papua. And there's really not a whole lot of reason to go there if you're not a diver or a avid bird watcher. And in fact, the little airport that you fly into is in a town called Sarong. And there's only maybe three other cities in Indonesia that have flights there. And they're very local flights. So you can't get there really easily. You have to fly to first to Jakarta or, um, gosh, I think there's one city in like Sulawesi. I don't even think you can get there from Bali without going through Jakarta first. So it's very remote. You spend two days getting there. And then once you're there, you can either go to a dive resort or what most people do is go on a liveaboard. The liveaboard, they're anywhere from a week to two weeks. I did a 12-day one. And you're just out there in the ocean going to dive sites and diving four times a day. It's fantastic. And Raja Ampat has some of the most biodiversity um, of any place in the world. It has 75% of all the world's species of corals, something like 1,700 species of fish. It's incredible. Wow. It's, uh, it was. It feels like a dream that I was there. That's so cool. And <laughs> I. a lot of people are trying to do this whole remote work lifestyle, but with the lifestyle you've built, you get to go on these travels without having these work responsibilities. Is that correct? And can you talk more about the freedom <laughs> that that feels like? Yeah, you know, you're right. I, I think uh, I, I spent years having some serious remote travel envy. Like people who like you and um, one of my good friends uh, who work from their computer and can live anywhere, serious envy. And I was thinking maybe I should start my career all over again and do something like that. But like I said, I found a way to make my career work. And and on the bright side is, yes, when I'm gone, I'm just traveling. I'm just being, I'm just having fun. It's very free. I can just drink wine all day. I can just, you know, roam around taking pictures. I don't have a care in the world. I don't have to worry about work. I do have to, you know, pay my credit card bills every month and try to make sure I have a job when I come back. So there's, you know, some attachment to my computer, but it's minimal and it is a great feeling to be that free. I have to say, yeah, I can't say enough good things about it. (laughs) I love that so much. And because you spoke about taking a whole year off and the whole first season of this podcast is about taking career breaks and it's something I've done. And the feeling of like not having those responsibilities to work and I call them adult responsibilities. It's this feeling of like euphoria that I feel like every adult should experience at least once in adulthood. I agree totally. Yeah. And <laughs> I mean, I still remember vividly that moment when, I mean, it's kind of a funny story. I was living in Miami. I had a really good life. You know, I enjoyed being a nurse anesthetist. I had a great apartment. Miami's a fun city. I had tons of friends. There was no reason why I should have recondoed my life. You know, everything was great, but I just had this gut feeling I needed to travel. I needed to take this time off. I was pushing 40 at the time. And I guess, I don't know, I hate to use the term midlife crisis because it wasn't really a crisis. I don't know. Everything was good, but little bells went off in my head when I think the car I was leasing, it was a Mini Cooper. They called me on the phone and they said, man, would you like to renew your lease? And I'm thinking my lease isn't up for months. This was something like August and my lease wasn't up until February. And they're trying to get me to get another car. So I said, when is my lease up? And they said, February. And at the same, I realized at that minute, that that's also when my apartment lease was up. And all these bells went off in my head, like, 
I will have no payments for anything in February. And that's when it, that's when the plan started forming. That's when I bought the one-way ticket to Bali. I called up my mother and I said, will you take my dog for a while? Of course she said yes. And I said, how about I leave some stuff at your house too? Because I'm not going to have a home. She said, sure. And this plan formed and it was so exciting. You said euphoria. It was euphoric. I was like, wow, this has been such a dream to have this life. And I'm finally making it happen. And it was scary. It was exciting. I didn't know what the future held at that point. I didn't know where I'd be in five years. And when that time came, like when I got on that plane after, you know, selling all my furniture, quitting my job, all that, got on that plane, going indefinitely for traveling. I was like a kid on Christmas Eve. Like I, the feeling was, I want to cry thinking about it because it was just the level of excitement that you're right. Everyone should feel that as an adult. Yeah. It was better than my wedding day. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Love it. <laughs> so much better. <laughs> I always wish, like I always say, I wish I could bottle that feeling because yes. if you knew how good it would feel, like everyone would be taking this risk because it feels risky and I know it's not for everyone, but for those who want it and are scared and are on the fence, it is so worth it. Yeah, it really is. I mean, I think that's why I keep traveling. I'm just trying to keep that feeling going. Totally. There's nothing like it. Yeah. And I like what you said, because you're like, I had a good life. Like I should be happy, but like still there's something going on. It's this whole golden handcuff situation. There is something else. Why, why do I feel like this? And you're only ever going to know if you actually take the risk and take the leap and go for it. Yeah, you shouldn't ignore that little nagging feeling that you're supposed to be doing something else. That you know, your gut tells you that, yeah, things are good, but like you need to go do this other thing. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. And like what's the worst that can happen? You didn't like it, yeah, just come back. Come back, get another job. I wasn't gonna be homeless. I have parents, I have a brother, I have friends, you know, I have the luxury of knowing that I'm gonna have a roof over my head, mm-hmm. you know, if I come back and can't find a job for a while, which actually did happen. It actually t- took me quite a bit to get started as a travel CRNA. I didn't know the game. I had no idea how to play the game. I was just winging it. I didn't have someone like myself telling me what to do. Uh, now, every single CRNA I work with, when they decide to quit their job and go travel, I'm the first person they call. And I'm like, man, I wish I had me. <laughs> <laughs> I did not know what the heck I was doing. And so it took me actually a lot longer than I wanted to find a job. And I was kind of worried. I was like, man, I need some money. I've been traveling for a year. (laughs) I really don't want to be living with my parents indefinitely. So it it was kind of a struggle at first, but once I learned how to play the game, now it's, now it's smooth sailing most of the time. Can you talk a little bit more about that? First of all, like how you were, what you learned and how you were able to play the game and how you were able to like remain cool and calm and collected while you're going through something a bit challenging. So yeah, it's all about your security, right? A, we need basics in life. You need a roof over your head, you know, which I was going to have. Okay. So that kept me a little bit on the more cool, calm side. I had a significant amount of savings. So back when I lived in Miami, I had sold my condo at one point because it was too expensive and I was taken away from my travel money. So duh, I had to sell it. Uh, (laughs) And uh, I made sure that I, I paid off all my debt at that point, paid off all my student loans. Again, I wanted to get rid of all adult responsibilities. And uh, I gave myself a little savings account that's there for an emergency. So 
I think that's the key thing. You know, it's a luxury to have that. Not everyone's going to have that. But before you go, you know, lollygagging around the world, you probably should make sure you have some sort of safety network of some sort, whether it's someone's home you can go to, uh, some kind of savings account. Those things keep me from freaking out too much when I don't get a job, you know? Definitely. That's yeah. super helpful. And you have to be flexible also. If you're going to be any kind of travel nurse or travel nurse anesthetist, you, you know, you may not get that dream job in Hawaii or New York City or downtown Miami or whatever. Uh, you may have to go to Kansas. I don't know. <laughs> Sorry, Kansas. But <laughs> you may have to go somewhere maybe you didn't want to go. I mean, there's big money to be made in Kansas. I get job offers all the time. And I'm like, hey, maybe I'll go there someday. But right now, um, you know, I'm finding uh, decent jobs in the cities I want to be in. But I'm very flexible. At first, uh, my very first travel job was actually in West Virginia. I didn't want to be in West Virginia, but that's where I went. And it was three months and it was fine. <laughs> so I think being adaptable and flexible is a key part of this lifestyle for sure. That's really cool. And it, that's an interesting opportunity to see new places in the U.S. And it sure is. I don't think this is the first time we've knocked Kansas on this podcast. <laughs> oh, I'm going to go there someday just to be like, okay, you know what? I saw Kansas. It was great. Yeah. Yes. And we're going to see all your Instagram content on traveling in Kansas. <laughs> the next I don't destination. know why Kansas is the one that I always make fun of. I think because I get a job offer from Kansas in my emails like daily. I'm like, they're really hurting for people, I guess. So Wow. Yeah. Interesting for sure. <laughs> Yeah, I think uh, the flexibility, the adaptability, uh, if you're someone who's really, really has a strict routine in your life, I mean, this is going to be hard. I mean, I'd like to have a routine, but it just doesn't work. And I'm okay with that. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. I feel like as long as you accept things, like, the sooner you accept reality, the easier things get. For sure. When you go on these travel contracts, is housing provided or do you have to find an apartment as well? There are various setups, of course. Uh, if you go through an agency, which is what I did when I was new, they will offer to find housing for you, which is great. And I did that at the beginning. And it was fine. They get you a nice furnished apartment that they use for like corporate housing and stuff. And then and it's usually decent. Um, but then I wanted to get my own housing for various reasons. A, I like to play the point hacking game. Uh, and I realized that if I could get it myself, I can get points on my credit card, A, and B, I can stay at like a Marriott Residence Inn or some kind of other long-term stay sort of situation at one of the various hotel chains like Hyatt, Hilton, Marriott. They all have a ton of, you know, more low-end, um, low-end meaning cheaper, but meant for long-term business people. Stay in one of those and you get all those points. So I have like the top status in all the hotel chains. I get all these freebies. I have lots of points. And I've done that all just by using the travel money that they give me for lodging to stay in a hotel and get all the hotel points. It's a great arrangement. This is genius. Yeah, yeah it is, right? <laughs> I was just so excited when I figured that out. And it took some convincing. Like It got to the point where I wouldn't even work with an agency unless they were willing to let me set up my own housing and reimburse me. Uh, we would like a, negotiate a budget. And I'm like, okay, submit my receipts for the hotel and they pay it. And it's great. And it's tax-free. Oh my goodness. This is like yeah. such an added bonus that I right? wouldn't have even considered. How cool. I know. Now uh, what I do, uh, I don't work with an agency anymore since I'm, you know, know how to play the game now a little better. I contract directly with the anesthesia group. Oh. Um, 
You have to make sure you're not in any kind of, any kind of non-compete. That's sort of a thing, but you can get yourself out of it. You contract directly with the anesthesia group. Once they know you, they're usually willing to work with you and it saves them money because the agency takes a lot of money away from me and them. So better to cut out the middleman and we work together and I tell them, Hey, just give me a little extra per hour. And then you don't have to reimburse me for lodging. I'll get my own housing. It's all just one big lump sum. And they usually like that. Wow. That's so awesome. In terms of health insurance, when you're not working, what do you do while while you're traveling? Yeah. So that's kind of the sucky part. So I'm self-employed. I work 1099. Of course, Mm -hmm. I have to get my own health insurance. Uh, I buy on the marketplace and I have a very basic policy that covers, you know, basic primary care. I am healthy, thank goodness. And uh, that's a business write-off, but that's what I do. And it's, you know, anywhere from 350 to 450 a month, depending on what policy I get. So it's not cheap, but I think that a lot of people in the United States that have health insurance provided by work, they're not getting it covered hundred percent. Anyway, a lot of right. people are paying like maybe 50% themselves. I'm pretty sure I paid close to 300 a month anyway, at one point when I had a W2 job. So it's a business expense that sucks, but you got to do it. Exactly. It's you want to have it if you need it. So it's definitely worth it. Very cool. So if someone were interested in getting started as a travel nurse, what advice do you have for them? Yeah. So I guess it depends on, are you a nurse already or not? Uh, if Let's just assume you're already a nurse. You want to be a travel nurse. You need to, I guess, talk to an agency. And when you're a travel nurse, I'm not sure that you can work independently the way I do now. I think you have to go through a, a travel agency and they do the work for you. They find you the job. They help you with your licensing, get you your housing, uh, give you insurance, all that. It's a completely different setup. Now, if you want to be a travel nurse anesthetist, you can do it on your own like I am. If you have the proper information, you have the proper contacts. Some people actually what they do, and I think this is a good way to start just to get in the practice of being the new person somewhere is travel locally. Like making the jump from W2 to 1099 can be a little scary because you don't have that secure source of income. Let's say you have a house, you have an apartment, you need to pay your mortgage or rent every month. Sometimes maybe you just want to stay locally, work within maybe 30 minutes to an hour drive of where you live and maybe take different assignments within the region. That way you're traveling, but you're not really traveling. You still have your same home base. You don't have to worry about getting lodging, but you are getting used to being 1099, finding different jobs, um, maybe being your own business, getting your own insurance, all those things that you have to do as a traveler. So it kind of does it. It's kind of a way to ease into the situation. Um, And you can do this as a travel nurse anesthetist or a travel nurse. Just travel locally, stay in your own house. The housing is not going to be tax-free in in that situation, but it doesn't matter. And part of the thing is just being the new person. You know, some people don't have the personality for that. It's hard to always go into a hospital and be the new one, be the one that's lost, be the one that constantly has to introduce themselves to new people. You can't be a shy wallflower and do that. It's it's hard, especially as a nurse anesthetist. I rely on my relationship with the surgeons, with the anesthesiologists. So every day I'm like, hi, Dr. So-and-so, Cher, I'm your nurse anesthetist today. Nice to meet you, blah, 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 blah. I'm a traveler, blah, blah, blah. You know, I have to go through this spiel every day. <laughs> so wow, that's not in your personality to do that. This is probably not a good lifestyle for you. You know, if you're very set in your ways, if you don't like change, uh, I 
don't think this is the best job for you, you know, but if you, yeah, if you're open to it, it's fun. It's exciting. You get to learn new ways of doing things. You get to see different sorts of work cultures, different hospital cultures. Uh, even though you're working, it feels like traveling to a new fun place because you're in a new city, you're in a new state. You get to like go to new restaurants, new cafes, walk around. It's fun. It's like traveling. Yeah, very cool. And can you just talk a little bit about the benefits of becoming specialized as a CN- CRNA in terms of like, it would require three more years of schooling. What benefits do you get on the other side? Yeah, it's a, it's a hard pill to swallow sometimes because those three years of school, you really can't work very much. You're making no money. The schools are very expensive. You need to take out student loans for your living expenses as well as the education. I graduated in so much debt. I wanted to cry. I was so stressed out. Um, it's just funny to think about how differently I feel then compared to now, but you need to have some sort of financial plan. Um, There are student loans. You need to be really motivated. You need to be a self-learner because going to three years of school as an adult is very different than undergrad. Uh, A lot of the education is not spoon fed to you. You have to read, you have to take your learning into your own hands. It's also hard as an adult to be made to feel like an idiot. You know, you may be coming from a job where you're the top of your game. You're the, you're the, you know, big fish. And now all of a sudden you're just the big nobody now, you know, you're just the idiot on the, who doesn't know anything. And it's, it's hard to make that adjustment. You have to be humble. You have to keep your mouth shut. You have to just take it all in, be open to learning. Um, But it is worth it. It is well worth it because being a CRNA has opened up so many doors for me, so many opportunities it's a great career. I honestly, big secret, it's the best gig in healthcare. Like there is no better job to have in healthcare. <laughs> That's why we have so many haters. Like <laughs> surgeons hate us. Anesthesiologists hate us. Like They don't hate us. I'm joking, but it is. It's the best gig in healthcare. It's so great. It's a fun job. It's challenging. I love it. I, I love going to work. I love what I do. It's, 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 I'm always learning. I'm never bored. And it has opened so many doors for me. I mean, financially, it, it, it pays well. I'm not going to lie. I'm not going to sugarcoat it. I make a really good salary. That's part of what enables me to travel so well. And it gives me so much time off. So it was well worth every bit of pain that it took to get here. Absolutely. That's awesome. That's, yeah, I always sit at the end of these calls. I'm like, oh, I wish I did that. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think you figured things out pretty well for yourself. <laughs> Well, in Mexico, right? That's yeah. <laughs> well, Cher, thank you so much for an awesome conversation. I think it was super inspiring and informative. If people want to learn more about you, where can they find you online? Oh gosh, I'm all over the place. Uh, <laughs> well, um, I'm on Instagram the most probably. I do a lot of travel content as well as nurse anesthesia content. I hate saying content. It's just my life. It's yeah. not, I just <laughs> share what I do. And uh, I also have a blog, which I'm very lazy about. But if anyone's interested in seeing the places I've went or reading stories or getting travel tips, that's there at www.wanderingredhead.com. Perfect. So pretty easy to find. <laughs> I will link it in the show notes too for easy access. All right. Well, Thank you so much again, Cher, and everyone else. I will catch you on the next episode. All right. So nice to talk to you. You have a great rest of your day. Wait, before you go, if you are here because you are exploring your travel options, I am excited to share with you that I've just revamped my free offerings to help you on your journey. Whether you need help budgeting for a career break, saving money for a trip, or learning how to effectively apply for a remote job, I've got you. 
visit the link in the show notes or go directly to www.travelshifters.com slash freebies to download what you need. And don't hesitate to let me know what you think. Thank you for tuning in to the Travel Possibilities Podcast. If you liked what you heard, I would be so thankful for your positive review on Apple Podcasts so I can keep the episodes coming. If you aren't already following me on social media, come soak up the extra tips and travel inspiration on Instagram by following me at The Travel Shifters or by visiting my website at travelshifters.com. Thank you so much for being here and I can't wait to connect with you in the next episode. Be sure to subscribe so you don't miss it.